Welcome to the Subtle Cane Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith. Broadcasting from the Aorta of America, beautiful festival city, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we pump out reason and pierce through the propaganda. Here we go. Well, here we are again. It's a rainy, cold March 6, 2022, and I'm glad to be here with you all, wonderful truth seekers and speakers. This is episode 20 of the Subtle Cane Podcast, Instead of Sheep. If you are new to the Subtle Cane Podcast, thank you for gracing us with your virtual presence. If you're a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. It is much appreciated. Let us take a moment to pause and think about the relative state of our condition. There have been some developments in the world that are potentially disastrous, or are disastrous for those immediately involved. Of course, most of us will be tracking the situation in Ukraine and the posturing and military actions that are taking place. I'm not going to try and analyze that situation. I've been paying some attention to it, and I recognize that this could go from a regional conflict to World War III in about two seconds flat. I also recognize that, functionally speaking, we're kind of already there, in a sense. If we accept the narrative that our mainstream media is handing us, we will undoubtedly be led astray, though. That goes for us in the U.S. and for all of you abroad as well, to one degree or another. I have kind of resolved myself to sit back and watch this unfold because I can't, I can't honestly reliably make any predictions from where I sit here in Wisconsin. I wish I could. What I can say definitively is that competing groups of elites will make decisions that cost innocent people their lives and cause them a great deal of suffering. That is to say, unfortunately, business as usual. I can say that people who are unworthy of their positions of authority will enrich themselves at the cost of the poor and helpless. I can say that individuals charged with delivering news of the state of things will toe the line and feed us whatever they're told to in order to try and manipulate our actions by way of the emotions we feel related to the information we are presented. Now my heart does go out to the people who are being most heavily affected by this, the people who are bearing the heaviest burdens for these actions, Ukrainians and Russians, as well as any others. Regardless of what is actually happening on the ground over there, it is a tragedy when our quote-unquote leaders decide that their ambitions are worth the lives of those they are meant to lead. I'm going to try not to belabor the point. I also don't want to give the impression that I have anything but respect for those who are brave enough and have chosen to serve in militaries. I gain much from my time, and I do not regret it. My criticism is more of a a high-altitude look at the overarching narratives that cause young men and women to bear the burdens of their countrymen and fight and die for unreciprocated loyalty, not from their countrymen, but from the people who send them to fight and die. I'll leave that there. If you tuned in today with the intention of getting a a gripping analysis of the conflict and the geopolitical implications it bears, I I have to apologize. Because it would be speculation that I don't know would actually benefit you. 
Now, I could probably come up with some decent talking points and bloviate about how I was assigned to a unit whose area of operation was actually eastern Ukraine, as recent as 2019. And that is factually true. That was my last assignment as an operations sergeant. But that being said, I did exit the military prior to any deployments to that region with that unit. You know, I read the briefings, I was assigned, and I even considered being sent to school to learn Russian. But alas, I chose to go inactive and pursue my nursing degree. I could sit here and speak about the situation in a way that could come across as informed. The fact of the matter is that would probably just be more self-serving, and in the end, as I said, likely not truly beneficial to you. All of this is to say that we will be taking a slightly different tact. I will leave the running commentary to those more qualified and better informed. What I want to do is check in with you all and see how you're doing. Last night at the warming shelter where I work, we had several altercations that almost escalated into straight-up fistfights. It happens. It, I see this happening more and more. The overall mental health of the population that I serve is degrading in very observable ways. And statistically speaking, the overall mental health of most people in the world, where they keep track of that kind of thing, seems to be degrading as well. Wars and rumors of wars probably aren't helping that situation. Why do I bring that up? If you've been listening to this show, you will remember that I asked you all to consider what things in your life you actually have agency in. What can you actually act on that will improve not only your own individual condition, but what can be done to improve the circle of influence within which you exist? As I sit here, safe, warm, slightly overweight, I know that there are many things outside of my control happening right now in the world that are terrible. Horrific acts of cruelty and human indifference are, this very second, taking place. I know that I am blessed that I am currently under no duress. That could change, as I said, in a split second. I hope that wherever you are, that your situation mirrors mine. I hope that you are safe and have enough to eat. I hope that your basic needs are being met and that you are in no immediate distress. More than that, I hope that you have hope that you have faith that your immediate circumstances are not the sum total of your existence or worth. It helps us when we are constantly told that we need to be afraid and that impending doom is all but certain by the media to stop and focus ourselves, focus on the present. It helps to do a quick assessment of our predicaments. In the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis says this, quote, The future is, of all things, the thing least like eternity. It is the most temporal part of time. For the past is frozen and no longer flows, and the present is all lit up with eternal rays. End quote. I've always loved that quote, and it's helped me through my journey of recovery from drug and alcohol addiction, and it's helped me deal with grieving the loss of loved ones. I remember when I find myself disquieted by the potential future, or ruminating on the frozen past, that the only time that I have any agency in is now. It helps me when I hear the rumblings of warmongers or the dire predictions of pessimistic prognosticators. It reminds me 
to realign myself with the reality of what is and what is not actually in my control. And it causes me to reflect on my faith and to remember that God sees me where I am and that I am not alone. I wish I could come before you here and give you some cutting-edge insight on what the outcomes of this current conflict will be. I wish that I could comfort those who are presently facing the hardships brought upon them by these circumstances. I also wish that I could convey, somehow convey to you, without minimizing that hardship, that there are so many other things taking place that deserve the same sympathies and attention. Right now, the media is pointing at Ukraine, at least here in the U.S., I would imagine in most other places where you're listening as well. And they're telling us how we should feel about the situation. They're not talking about, as far as I can tell, the fact that we, the U.S., just did drone strikes in Somalia, just as an example. That may be a hindrance to the argument being made about how Russia is compromising Ukraine's sovereignty, pots and kettles and all that jazz. I would like to take a few minutes, just take a few minutes here to thank you all and officially welcome some of our new producers. When I was informed that my interview with Mr. Corbett had been posted to CorbettReport.com, I, of course, was very happy. It was an exciting thing to see for me. I knew that it would garner some additional attention, but I did not expect it to be as much of an increase as I've seen. Last told, the Subtle Cane podcast now has producers listening in 45 countries. Goodness. I have also received value-for-value contributions of various types, and I, I couldn't be more grateful. Sarah G. came in with $25. Anonymous provided $100. And Dimitri came in with $25. Thank you all for your treasure. You have no idea how much that means to me and how far that actually goes for me. Thank you so much. I'm humbled by your generosity and support. I really am. I also have an, uh, another anonymous producer who was very helpful with some editing issues and who went back through the episode's show notes and edited them and formatted them in a much more standardized and coherent manner than I had. She also helped me with some mispronunciations I've made. Mispronunciations I've made. Believe me, my friends, I openly and happily enjoy constructive criticism. I do. I'm doing this to serve you, and if someone's willing to take the time to assist me with my efforts, it, to me, it doesn't translate as a negative thing. Uh, it, I take it as a kindness and, an, and a service, and I really appreciate it. I, I really hope that I didn't miss anyone in particular. I, I, I do, and if you did contribute something and, and I missed you, I apologize. I will get back to that. You can email me at subtlecane at protonmail.com. That's subtlecane at protonmail.com. I will respond, and I will try very hard to do it in a timely fashion. Okay, I just had to interject that because this is a project that I'm trying to do. This is a contribution to the effort to find solutions and to hopefully inspire and encourage as well as inform. So thank you all for being here and for your generous gifts of time, talent, and treasure. So all right, Aaron, now where are we going? Well, I guess it makes sense to talk about our perceptions. Our expectations for what will be lay the groundwork for how we interpret what is. If you are expecting something terrible, something irritating can be a 
pleasant surprise. Let me share a quote from Jordan Peterson to give a better representation of that point. He says in Maps of Meaning, quote, Nothing produces terror and fear like a concentration camp, unless the camp encountered is better than the camp expected, end quote. He relates a story from the existential psychotherapist Viktor Frankl. Frankl was an Austrian man of considerable talent. He was a neurologist, a psychiatrist, a philosopher, and a Holocaust survivor, as well as an author. In his recounting of the time he spent as a Nazi prisoner, he describes being imprisoned at Auschwitz. He, along with other prisoners, were placed on a train and sent to a camp affiliated with Dachau. You can only imagine the conditions they were forced to endure on this fateful trip. When they arrived at the camp, they saw that there were no large chimneys. They believed there would be no ovens or gas chambers. Older prisoners confirmed this to them. He writes of the utter elation that he and his fellow captives felt and how they were joking around and, and laughing and despite these horrible conditions they were in. And retrospectively, he's able to recognize just how horrific this, his circumstances were at the time. But in relative relation to the terror inspired by the ovens and gas chambers, the subhuman conditions they were met with felt like a blessing. And this is where the producer who is struggling gets annoyed by the idea that we should be grateful because it could be so much worse. I mean, that's how I feel when I hear this particular line of reasoning. I don't know about you, but uh, I did get as a child that reminder that there's people starving in Africa and I didn't want to eat my dinner. That argument made me sad, but the green beans still did not tempt me out of gratitude for my relative affluence. But isn't there value in looking at things proportionately? I think there is. It helps me to center myself. Of course, like the unappetizing, vile green beans of yore, I am not inclined to revel in the hardships I experience. How often do our expectations live up to reality? If we are ignorantly optimistic, do we suffer devastating disappointment when our expectations go unfulfilled? Or does pessimism more optimally serve us then? No, because the time we spend in trepidation and the anxiety of the unknown is a terrible existence. Think about all the time we spend worrying about what might happen. All of that time and angst is proven worthless whenever our pessimistic predictions do not pan out, even when they do, I would argue. Like most aspects of our existence, we find a balance is most likely the optimal path. The old saying, hope for the best and prepare for the worst, comes to mind. But what does that actually look like? As individuals, I suppose it invariably looks different for all of us. In the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul writes, quote, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. End quote. Now, if you're not inclined to look to the Bible for guidance, this may seem a bit foolish or like a bit of folly. What is he talking about anyway? Paul knew a bit about persecution, about suffering. He was beaten, imprisoned, and threatened with death on the regular for his beliefs. 
Look around you now. There are massive campaigns to silence voices, suppress freedom, and usurp traditions with novelty notions of right and wrong. Persecution of beliefs is happening all over the world. We in the U.S. are honestly largely unaffected by it right now, still. We think it's persecution when we have to have an uncomfortable conversation. Where do you see, where do you see this going, though? Where do you see this going? I'm not real fond of the direction. Just a thought. But what, what Paul was saying is that if we have faith, if we trust God, that we should not be given to anxiety. Not that we won't feel it. It's a, it's a goal. He's also reminding us to be thankful for the things we do have. It's not to delegitimize the real and painful realities we face. It's to remind us that this too shall pass. When we surrender our hearts to God and we recognize our blessings, we take some of the bite out of our present circumstances and much of the bite from our future uncertainties. Remember that song from the old, well, maybe you don't, but there's a there's an old Christmas classic called White Christmas. And Bing Crosby sings it to the actress Rosemary Clooney over some sleepless sandwiches, and it's called Count Your Blessings. It goes, When I'm worried and I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep, and I fall asleep counting my blessings. I I was going to think about singing that to you, but I won't do that to you. A bit cheesy, I know. But aren't we, aren't we seeing enough negativity? Aren't we bombarded with enough trauma. Maybe this seems a bit trite. Maybe it won't have the desired effect that I was looking for, but I just wanted to try and share a little light. I sat down here and I thought about how dire things are made to look, and I I wanted to encourage you. What if you could put your head on the pillow tonight, and instead of thinking about the latest headlines, or the bills coming due, or the leak in the roof, or something much worse... What if you could bring to mind all the ways you were blessed today? Isn't that worth something? Isn't that a noble endeavor? G.K. Chesterton said this of hope. Quote, hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. You all bring me hope. Your very attention speaks to the fact that there are so many of us seeking truth and hoping beyond all the dire predictions that our immediate circumstances are not the sum total of our existence or worth. For all you listening, you are valued, you are loved, and you are worthy. God bless and good night. Yeah. Uh-huh.